Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi everyone, welcome back to part two of the, the Stompcast. Um, we're meandering along a lovely path. It's, it feels very flat and safe and I'm very <laughs> pleased that I can concentrate on our conversation because it's one that I'm enjoying. Before we continue on our walk, I'd just like to thank Fitflop for sponsoring this episode of the Stompcast and for keeping my feet well looked after while I record these episodes for you. Of course, you'd be familiar with the fact that we record Stompcast while out on a walk with an amazing guest. However, as I've said before, it's so important to make sure we're wearing the right shoes. If we don't consider our footwear, we could cause problems with our body that could have been avoided if we'd used the right footwear. And thanks to Fitflop, we're able to confidently choose a pair of shoes that we know are flexible, lightweight and contoured to our feet. Thanks to the science in every shoe, each pair of Fitflop is designed to stay comfortable and supportive for long periods of time, meaning you can choose footwear that is suitable for both smooth and flat terrain. And now with Fitflop's ultralight Neo D hiker boot, with responsive cushioning that springs back up after each step, you'll also be able to tackle hiking in the hills. Make sure you check out the full Fitflop range at fitflop.com so that your stomps aren't cut short with unsuitable shoes. Happy stomping. Max, let's dive into your career. I mean, you've achieved so much. Six medals, right? Three golds. Three um, golds, three bronze at Olympics. Three bronze. Yeah. The most decorated British gymnast, which is just phenomenal. And, that, you know, the highs have been incredible, but you've spoken about the lows as well. I think we'll come on to that in a moment. But do you think you could give us like a, an overview, a highlight reel of, of your career then and kind of what you've, what you've done over the years and maybe just some amazing points and times you go, do you know what, that was an amazing moment. Um, yeah, I think when you kind of look at the 22-year journey, it has been a kind of a, a crazy one. But I've, I've honestly loved every minute of it. And I think as you go through, you know, like from a youngster, almost not really watching too much of the sport, but just loved doing it. Um, I think that's something that really helped me kind of progress at the, at the rate that I did because I just was fascinated by what I could learn next and what I could do. So as you kind of fast forward to, you know, growing up as a gymnast and then, you know, the commitment you have to have and coming out of school um, three days a week um, early, you know, training six days a week. I was training 35 hours a week until I was around 21, um, you know, from the age of about 12 to 21, training, training that amount of hours. You're, you're going to naturally improve and you're going to get better at something when you put that much time in. Wow. So then as you started going to comps and, you know, I was just loving, loving the experiences and I think the times that stand out hugely and in my kind of senior career is where you know you have the opportunity and it all comes together and you make you make history for your country um those times you know 2015 world championships when i got my first world title was just surreal and then when you it's a really interesting point when you kind of you hit a result and you almost you know it's your best result to date and it's like a gold medal at a world championships or olympic games it sounds obvious but that can really go one way or another 
it can really kind of a lot of athletes or a lot of people can sit on that wrong result and almost take the foot off the pedal and just relax where what I did naturally was almost forget about it and kind of move forwards and have my next target I wanted to do and it kind of went on you know on to I you know feel massively proud to have gone to you know London Olympics Rio Olympics and and uh, Tokyo with the most recent ones so. arguably the three some of the three best Olympic games really <laughs> like that run of a three what a three that is <laughs> oh I know I was like massively lucky to go to home games like that is so rare for any athlete you know in what did that feel like what was it like but you know I mean, I remember it so. I was so excited about yeah. the Olympics. I, I literally, when it was here in this country, it just, it was, there was, it was an Olympic fever, wasn't it? The whole it's country amazing. was like living for uh, the Olympics. It was just, it was just incredible. I mean, what was it like to be an athlete? And also, let's be honest, to be like Britain's leading athlete, really, amongst the, those that are the real hopefuls. What was that like? Well, London Saints was, was just crazy. Like, for, for me, at that point, I was only young. So I was 19. Um, you know, I made the team, which was, you know, a dream come true. And just going there, you know, walking out, I remember stepping out into arenas and, like, obviously a home crowd is just crazy. Like, your whole body would just be covered in goosebumps when you go out because the roar of the crowd, like, wow. it was just mental, you know, standing there in that atmosphere. And I think that taught me a lot because, yeah, we got results. So we, we got our first team medal in, in over 100 years and then I got my individual bronze medal there. Which that must have been such an incredible feeling. Yeah, it, it, to honestly. To get there in front of that crowd. Because it was, let's be honest, it was absolutely rammed. Every, mm -hmm. every uh, venue, the streets, the whole of London, the whole country was just so excited feel, about it. I think we just loved it. And it, it changed sport. Like, it changed gymnastics, no doubt about that. But it changed sport in our country. And all of a sudden, you, you saw the kind of effect of it. You know, when we, when we then fast forwarded four years later, then we kind of improved on a home games result. You which know, is Rio, incredible. Which is, uh, it's unheard of. Um, so I think it's just, it changed our sport. Everyone kind of got passionate about so many different sports and really got behind the athletes. So being there, being one of the athletes was, was so, like, honestly, unbelievable. What did it feel like after, so you, you, you know, you were young, you were 19, wasn't it, the, the yeah. British Olympics. What was the feeling in the kind of months and the kind of year after the Olympics. Did that high maintain? Was there still the buzz or was there a bit of a come down from that one? So it's, this is where it kind of gets interesting because a lot of athletes, um, you to even say the majority of athletes, really struggle from, they, you know, they go from such a high, like you say, on the Olympic Games and then they go back to normality and they feel like they go to a low. Um, for me, I was almost the opposite, like literally completely opposite after London and after Rio. For me, it was another high coming back home because I, I, I'm a home person, I love being at home. And I was young, I was like, literally, I had three weeks off after London and I was ready back in training because I wanted my, you know, my new skills, I wanted to get new targets and everything like that. So I think, for me, I didn't experience that at all. Um, I was just kind of itching to get back in and, and get going again. But it, in, in terms of what it done for me, it was a huge springboard to set my targets higher and higher and try and achieve some more. So yeah, I look back at London as a real kind of platform that started me off. And what about after, uh, it was Rio, wasn't it? What about after Rio? Was that still, because you kind of, you were 19, then you, you're 23, 24, you're still very early in your career. Yeah. Right? So, so was, was that still after Rio? And you got, you were gold, you got gold there, wasn't that right? Yeah, so. Gold and Rio. Yeah, so the, the journey towards Rio. So if you think about London, you know, I was young, I was uh, not really expected to produce any result, really. So I had no kind of real, real pressure. I just had, you know, the nerves, which are normal. 
You then fast forward to, you know, four years later and I got some results along the way, like I said, in 2015, becoming world champion and stuff. And then the pressure ramped up massively for Ria, hugely, because, you know, people, you know, I had the potential to go and get a title. I obviously come out with um, three medals, um, two golds and a bronze. And um, to be honest, my mindset was amazing still then in terms of coming back. It was similar to London, but I had three months off. So it took a little bit longer, I was a little bit older. And then I was itching to, get in, itching to get back in and go again. I had my new target set. But I think when you fast forward to then Tokyo, it was almost a different story because, you know, pressure and everything like that is, is normal like in, in whatever you do, especially sport, you can't get away from that. But I think when I went from, you know, getting golds at Olympic Games and then going for another Olympic Games in Tokyo, you almost like had a massive chunk of like expectancy plunked on top of the pressure and so it wasn't just like pressure right let's try yeah. and do this thing. people are there and they're like this guy's this guy's the shit he's got, was, he needs to get he needs he's so good he needs to get another goal it's all like you're expecting you're like that's the standard now yeah and that's that was the problem like he needs to get it because that's what people had in their mind when you when when someone is expected to produce a result um if they don't they're seen as a failure and 2018 was a complete example of that. i got a year of silvers and I was seen as I failed the whole year. So I kind of knew that going in. Um, so interesting you say that because saying to anyone else, to even imagine even going to any world championship or let alone Olympics and, and just be there is a, is a yeah. success. But I guess it's I the parameters of what you define as success. To get a silver is like, I mean, that puts you in the 0.001% of Britons and yet it's like, oh, I wanted more. I know. It's an odd thought, isn't it? Like, it's, it's, as an outsider, you hear that and you go, what? <laughs> Are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? But it's, it's really strange. So you're, you had, obviously, the external pressures going to Tokyo. I had my own pressures going to Tokyo. Um, I felt the nervous I'd ever been, but it was that expectancy that was really the kind of thing that was weighing on my shoulders in terms of, I know that if I get anything less than gold, it will be seen as a failure to everyone else. And that's quite difficult, especially when you're talking about a sport where the margins are so small. Yeah. You can be gold or you can be eighth, but for a tiny, tiny little mistake. So Tokyo was a bit of a different experience. It really, really was. And I think, I think you know, when, when you take everything into consideration with the delay, year delay of the Olympics and everything. Um, did that hit you in your preparation? Did that affect it? Or did yeah. you just go, like, is it a more, was it more a mental thing? Is it a physical thing? Um, both, really. Um, you got to think like, obviously, you know, mentally that was tough because not knowing if Olympics would go ahead um, and then it being delayed a year, but being stuck at home a big chunk of that and trying to tick over with your training. So physically and mentally that was, that was hard. And I think that made the kind of, what used to be a four year journey in between the Olympic cycle, it, it extended to five, which is going to be tougher on anybody. Yeah. But just, it just made it just 10 times harder in so many different ways. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, and then obviously going there, um, the training towards it, right leading up to it, wasn't exactly what I'd want it to be like. It wasn't as kiss consistent as I want it to be like, which added onto your stress levels. Um, and then you know you have that pressure and expectancy and it was it was a really tough comp really really tough comp well take me to i'd like to kind of really hone in almost like hour by hour about 24 hours around the tokyo and it was the you know your performance like with the pummel horse it was like mm. you know people said it's pretty much perfect is that fair it's almost perfect it's the best i could have done yeah absolutely <laughs> unbelievable and i just wonder from that 20, from that kind of like night before through to 
afterwards and after the medal and stuff. Talk me through like what was in your mind. Like what, what do you do to prepare the night before? Are you thinking, oh my gosh, it's tomorrow I got this chance kind of thing? Like what, what happens? Um, it's, it's difficult because you try, for me, I try not to think about it at all. If anything, I try not to think about too much, which is, which is really hard when you're trying not to so do how that. how do you distract yourself? Um, <laughs> well, what I do... FIFA or Call of Duty or... To, to, <laughs> I don't game. even do that. I, I literally go with emotions and do what I'd do like I was if I was back at home. So obviously the day before we'd do like a, a small session in the gym, nothing too much because you want to preserve your energy and not, not give it too much the day before, obviously. Um, but the day of it, so our, my Pommel Horse final was 7 p.m. So the whole day as well to just wait and let the nerves build even more. That must be more. awful, isn't it? <laughs> it Waiting was horrible. All day. It was horrible. Oh, God, it's like an exam. You want an exam at nine in the morning. You wake up, you go straight and do it. Oh, Completely agree. O'clock. It was hard, and and I think the nerves just built up even more throughout the day. But I think I was doing stuff trying to distract myself in terms of almost just recovery. So I was, you know, doing compression recovery like an hour at a time, like so an hour on my legs, hour on my arms, and it was almost just to eat away at the time. Yeah. Just so then it can just build and you go to lunch and you take your time and you're doing everything. You're making me nervous. I'm just talking <laughs> about it. Just waiting that time for me head. Oh my I was God. battling in terms of battling, <sighs> thinking about, you know, what could go wrong with a routine and trying not to think about it too much and just try and stay on the positive side of things. And just Are you going through the chill. routine in your head? Is there like a psychological replay or you know it by that point? You're just like... This is what I need to go and do. Yeah, you, 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 you have to know it by that point, really. Yeah. And it's all muscle memory and it's just almost what, whatever happens, happens. But you're going to give it your best shot. And I think if you have that mindset, that can try and chill you out a little bit. But it's, it's still difficult. And I remember literally going there. We then made our way to the venue. Yeah. Um, and I always, like, I, I, I FaceTime my family and everything um, before I start warming up and stuff. And this I think, is a couple of hours before you go to the venue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was... Um, that was a real important part when I was FaceTiming my family because Leah could see that I was really nervous and Willow was running around in the background like not taking any notice <laughs> of what I was doing which was brilliant um, but I think that helped put it into perspective but also Leah just saying remember it's gymnastics and I think that there just almost made me think like do you know what it is and I've trained for it I've trained as hard as I possibly can I've done what I can yeah. let's go out there enjoy it and just give it my best shot there's nothing else you can do. If it goes to plan, then amazing. But if it doesn't, it's never your last shot. And I think in thinking about that, you know, when you go into the most pressure environments that you can think of, whether it's a job interview or whether it's a competition or whatever that is, if you think about it, it's never your last no. shot. It's, it's, it's never the be all and end all. You might see it that way, but there's yeah. always another opportunity. 100%. So if you just sit back and you take it and you look at the bigger picture, but think about it in perspective on what you're actually doing and just, give it your best shot there's nothing else you can do um so then you arrive at the venue what happens next so yeah so that i, I actually do that at the venue so i do that literally see, just I before see. i'm about to warm up oh right so, so then literally, i literally that's the last thing you do yeah yeah and i start warming up and we just go through the motions exactly the same routine in terms of warming up the amount of goes the amount of everything um same thing um and then we go out we march out and we go and and, and give it a, give it a shot. <laughs> you march through that tunnel and you go and do you perform your routine the best you possibly can. And Tokyo was the time where it it, it, it definitely paid off. Gosh! And so you, you you walk up the the pummel horses before you. Do you kind of do you switch off? Are you in the zone? Is there 
Do you, are you still nervous at that point, or is it like, right, we're in it now? We're doing no, it. you're nervous. Yeah, you're pretty nervous. I put my hands on the pommel, and your kind of hands are shaking most of the time. Yeah. And then you just have to, you know, just let your body do it. Like, it really is a, a moment where it's like, you get into that zone and you go through the motions of this routine that you've done hundreds of times in preparation and whatever happens happens but you'll just give it your best shot to try and make it as good as possible and that's it the thing that i think is interesting about uh, Olymp the olympics athletics particularly i think gymnastics in a lot of ways is that and different to a lot of sports is that of course there's always another opportunity for another competition but the wait can be long and also yeah. you're kind of you are you're trying to, you've got like one or, or a few opportunities to showcase your skill or what you're doing. Whereas like you know, in a football match, like Ronaldo could get the ball and boot it into the crowd six times, but can you get himself. so many options yeah. within that fright, you know, rugby match, you know, you do a knock on, you could score a try in 10 minutes. Yep, you can redeem yourself, you can, yeah. It's so much, like that, the heaps of pressure on that routine. It's, it's hard to imagine how the, like how the human mind can kind of manage that I guess it's just been maybe in the present I guess and go to right let's just do this it, yeah it exactly is and I think it's almost trying to not think about all the that side of it in terms of what it means or what it would mean if you do it um, or how you'd feel if you do it or anything like that or or you know just try not to think about there's this many people watching or this is the Olympic Games it only comes around every four years it's just yeah. focusing on what you do in the training gym like what you do to practice and prepare and do another routine. Did you know, once you'd finished the routine, that you'd smashed it? Was it like, I've done it, I've nailed it, I've struck gold here, literally, I've done it. <laughs> was, that, was there that feeling, or was it sort of um, like, oh, you know, someone might top it, or? You, you never, you never know. I, I knew that I'd done the best routine that I could, that's what I knew, and that, for me, was the most important thing. But I was, I was first man up, so there were seven more guys to go after me, and there's some good gymnasts in there. So for me, I, I'd done my job, and that's why I almost was in that amazing feeling where I could sit there. No, like, no, there's no doubt it was hard to watch because, of course, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want anyone else to beat my score. Yeah, but yeah, I was sitting there thinking, do you know what, if anyone does, I couldn't have done it anymore. So once all the other guys had done their, done their routines and you were announced as winning, what was that feeling like? Can you describe, like, if you go back to that moment, what was it like to win gold? Um, I think the huge crazy amount of so like sense of relief was like ridiculous ridiculous and I think like when I you know when we go back to talking about how how the build-up was getting into it with the delayed Olympics with training at home with ticking over with all the challenges that like built to that moment and then it ended up with me retaining my Olympic title the feeling was crazy absolutely crazy and I think one one interesting part was because it was an Olympics that because of Covid there was no audience yeah so almost the feeling was so like you could feel it even more like the emotion of it because it was just it was just us on on that in that moment yeah. rather than this huge massive distraction of the crowd. crowd or anything like that which there's no doubt i'd prefer a crowd yeah, any, yeah, yeah, yeah. anytime but it was almost really felt even more like just really centered and intense yeah in, like terms in, of that in between you and the people around yeah. you i guess yeah well which you've experienced amazing. both which is kind of a good thing yeah, <laughs> felt, yeah that's true you felt you felt the both uh, so and then after after you won the goal, like what did you what did you do? Did you go out and celebrate? Was it out for a few beers? Was it on the FaceTime, speak to Leah? Um, it, yeah, it was literally go back and I um, go back into the training gym, get on my stuff, with a big smile on my face. You obviously collect the medal and everything, and then you you get on the on the coach back um, to the to the Olympic Village, 
And obviously then you, you, you meet up with all your training partners, your coach and everything, like everyone get, kind of gets together, but it, you couldn't go and do anything else because you weren't allowed out of the village because of COVID restrictions yeah. and everything. Um, to be honest, not that I would go out anyway. Like it, I'm, I'm kind of a person that I'm just like, I was happy with that, like a, that, that for that me. That is a celebration in itself. It was unbelievable, unbelievable. And then, you know, it was like 24 hours later, was on, I was on a flight home. So it was crazy. Like a real whirlwind few well, days. Well, I was going to say the definition of a, of a whirlwind, I guess. Yeah. And going back to, you know, I was, I was in Bath a couple of months ago. I was speaking about my book, A Better Day, at the festival in, in, in Bath. And you came on BBC Breakfast. And I was really gripped by your feature and what you were talking about. Because you talked about the kind of how everyone sees that amazing moment. Sees the kind of the images of the gold medal and the yep. hands in the sky. Yep. But the realities of the kind of post-gold like gold medal syndrome almost can be really difficult. Can you tell me about what, what was that actually like and when did you kind of feel like, oh gosh, don't feel myself? It was a really weird kind of time. So like, I'd, I'd got back, I'd got home and I couldn't wait to get home. Like, like I said before, like I'm a person that just loves being at home. Um, so I couldn't wait for that. And for the first kind of three months, so that I hadn't gone back in the gym yet. I said, I was saying to myself that, I'm not going to go back into the gym with the same mindset as after London, after Rio, until I'm really ready. I'm itching to get back in. Yeah. So I had three months and I was loving it. I had no structure, I had no ties. I I'd obviously just retained an Olympic title. Um, you don't you don't your months off. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I felt like I could just almost. I had like some freedom, and I think it really kind of hit me in terms of how strenuous, like in terms of your mindset, it's been for the last twenty. 22 years because it's just been on constantly um, and I think that when you kind of take a break it, it does hit you sometimes but I think with everything that you to take, to take into consideration with the pressures the weight on my shoulders the build up to that everything it almost hit me in a different way where there was a time where I felt in that three month period where I felt content yeah um, with what I'd done as a gymnast but I was almost, as I kind of, as time went on further than that, I realised it was, it, it wasn't real, it wasn't real contentment, it really wasn't, it was the fear of failure setting in and me telling myself that I feel content, I'm happy with that and I'm done, mm. which is crazy because 22 years I've had the same mindset that I want to keep going into gymnastics for as long as I possibly can, I want to keep going until I, until I can't basically, and all of a sudden I'd forced myself to feel content because I was scared of going on and failing. Um, I knew what that failure felt like before. I didn't want to be seen as a failure. I didn't want to go out there and, you know, not perform or not even make Paris Olympics. Um, so I almost forced myself to think that, yeah, it's the right time. I'll stop and done, be done with gymnastics. And I was adamant, like, I was absolutely adamant. Mm. And then I sort of almost fell into this rut where, you know, I said, said earlier on in our chat that one thing that helped me move forwards and get more results is forgetting about previous results yeah in that time I'd done exactly the same so it didn't matter what I'd done previously it didn't matter that I retained Olympic title or the previous results I was now looking forward thinking I'm done with gym where am I going I see almost almost it was before a positive but now it turned into like you're not actually you're almost not giving yourself not the credits, but like, almost like, do you know what? This is how far I've come. This is what I've achieved. It's like, right next. Yeah, 
yeah. So something that's really helped me, and I wouldn't change it because it's really helped me on my whole journey, but it really hit me like a ton of bricks this time in a negative way because I felt like I was sitting there feeling like a complete waste of space, failure, just useless at everything because I couldn't see where my pathway, pathway was going. I, couldn't, I didn't have my targets, I didn't have this. It's crazy to listen to someone who is achieved more than I think it's hard for any, like, well, certainly I can't even imagine those, that level of achievement to say that you're a waste of space. I think even the listeners of Stompcast, I'm, I'm sure they're shouting back down the, uh, the earbuds or earpods right now saying, what are you talking about? It's hard though when you're living in it, isn't it? Because when you've got these messages in your brain saying you're a failure, you're not good. Yeah. I think a lot of people listening, and I certainly have had that, where we're so hard on ourselves that you would yep. never speak to, if that was one of your fellow Olympians, you wouldn't say to them you're a failure. <laughs> there is no like, way. No. What are you talking about? You, yep. wouldn't, I know. you wouldn't do that, but we're so, we're so horrible to ourselves, aren't we, at times? I completely agree. Like, too hard on ourselves to think, like, not, not thinking about kind of what you've done or reflecting on that at all. It's actually thinking, you know, if I'm not looking at where I'm going and what I'm doing next, and I can't see a clear pathway on what I want to achieve there, then I see myself as a complete waste of space. I, I, I know now that looking back, like, it's crazy, but it's, it's exactly how I felt. Like, I was sitting there on a the sofa just you know, just like really struggling. Like for, for months I was just in this place where I was completely lost, um, had no motivation to do Do you think you were depressed anything? at the time? Um, I've never labelled it. I um, don't know if that's a good thing or not, but I've never kind mm. of labelled it as that. I, I don't know. I'd like to just think it was a stage in my yeah. career where I, I struggled, like mentally struggled, yeah. Um, in terms of you know how I felt and where I was going, what I was doing, and the hard bit was was me as a person. I've never spoke to anyone about how I feel really. Like to in people that time, close to you, me. Didn't, you didn't speak about it, or, or ever, ever. You've never spoken to anyone Not about really. it. Not really. Eventually, yeah, but it took a while, and it was it was a big thing for me because throughout my whole kind of life, I've never really spoke about how I feel to even people close to me. So then to get to a point where I was sitting there on the sofa, getting upset to, to Leah, which, you know, like you talk about being hard on yourself, I still look back and I'm still too hard on myself in those moments, really. But it, it was what it was and it was how I felt. And I actually got to a point where I tried to talk about it with Leah um, and then to my family and everything. Um, but it was hard. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't even almost clear it in my own head how I was feeling. So I couldn't even explain it. Um, and that was a hard bit, but it wasn't until I started talking more and more that actually I could then start putting it into words to, to, to the people around me, how I think I was, how I was feeling, and I was struggling and I was feeling the way I was. Um, was so there a moment, that, like it sounds like Leah's been incredible, you were childhood's sweetheart, so you've known Leah a long time. Yeah. And so was it a moment of sitting down with Leah and saying, do you know what, I, I don't, was there a moment where you're like, I don't feel good, I, I don't feel right? Is, is that kind of, or was it gradual? Um, I think it was, a, it, was a, it was a small gradual thing, but yeah, there was that point where I, I did manage to then get it out of myself and almost be honest with myself to, to, to say to Leah that I, you know, like I said, I feel like, I feel like a complete waste of space, I feel useless. Which obviously, like you yeah. said, like, she thought was crazy. Yeah. But... It's how you felt, and that's, that's how it you felt exactly at that time. How I felt. Exactly how I felt. And I was spending each day just feeling sluggish. I even went to get a blood test to see, you know, if I was lacking in anything or anything because I felt so 
just drained, demotivated every single day, but it was because of my mindset. Like the, <laughs> all my tests come back that I wasn't loving anything, which made me feel, you know, it's, you know, I'm just mentally struggling in this place where I need to try and get out of this rut that I'm in. A big thank you to Fitflop for sponsoring this week's episode and for keeping us all comfortable while out stomping with their scientifically tested lightweight trainers, boots, wellies and more. Remember to head to fitflop.com to check out the full range of men and for women. We're going to take a little pause there for a moment and um, say a big thank you to everyone that's joined us for, for part two. It's been, well, it's been an incredible stop, not just the scenery around us, but also I think how amazing and how sharing you're being. And I think, and I've no, no doubt, in fact, people listening will We'll be really grateful for, for that too. So a huge thank you to everyone for joining us for part two. If you're ready to go on to part three, head straight on. If not, we'll see you on another day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.